When it comes to learning what you may be doing to hurt the relationship, some basic reflection is all that's needed. Yeah, it's that simple. <laughs> it might come down to a question like, would I be okay being treated the way I treat that person? If the answer is yes and you're still not getting along, it might be time to look at things a little deeper to figure out if there can be some compromises. Maybe on one side, maybe both. But if the answer is no, then perhaps it's time to figure out another way to show up. Healed Being is the very effective program I created to help those hurting the ones they love stop and heal and become the most improved version of themselves inside and outside of the relationship. If that sounds like something you might need, get the first four lessons for free over at HealedBeing.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, and I want to help you learn the skills you need to deal with life's challenges using emotional intelligence and critical thinking without compromising who you are. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. Welcome to episode number 500. I thought this would be a huge fanfare, but it's just quite, uh, I'm just easing into it and I'm okay with it. I'm so happy that you were here. Thank you for joining me for the, uh, what is 500? Is that like, I don't know, half a thousand. So welcome to half a thousand episodes in. Uh, I've been doing this since uh, 2013. So if you are looking for older episodes, they're out there, definitely out there. So feel free to search the webs for that. And I'm just going to get right to the first question here. It is something that just came in. I rarely do this, but... I mean, when I receive an email, it usually goes into queue. But I saw this and I thought, this would be a great topic to talk about this weekend. So let me get right to it. This person wrote, Hi, Paul. I only started listening to your podcast about two weeks ago, and I'm so glad I found it. It's helped me become a more introspective, and it seems easier to rework my thoughts. There's an interesting way to put it. Rework your thoughts. Thank you for writing that. And However, I still struggle with many things like self-worth and self-love and envy and jealousy. One of my best friends is younger than me and has just purchased a house I still rent. She's also a manager at her job and she gets paid more than I do and I'm still an entry-level position. She seems to have stable mental health and has faced obstacles herself without relying on anyone such as her family or partner. She has a strong uh, sense of self-worth and seems to have figured it out. I love her and we've been friends for years but I can't help to think that I'm uh, behind in my own life. It feels like I should have done these things by now, given my age. How do I get to the point where I no longer feel I should be following a timeline for my life? How do I get to the point where I no longer feel I should be following a timeline? Okay, uh, you did tell me your age. I don't want to give it away because of confidentiality. I don't know if, if you want me to do that, but you're in your 30s, <laughs> somewhere in there. And uh your question is a good one because I think a lot of people deal with this. They see the Joneses, they see the grass on the other side that's greener or whatever. They're comparing themselves to other people and think, uh, am I going the right direction? Am I at the right place in life? Am I doing the right things? At your age, where I was thinking about my age, when I was your age, I was still trying to figure it out. Boom. There it is. That's the answer. <laughs> That's it. I mean, what else do you need? You need to know that at um, in your 30s, you're still trying to figure things out. Like I heard somebody talking about in your 20s, this is where all the experimentation is happening. This is where you are trying things, you're failing at things, you're doing jobs, you're just not at a place in life where you can say, okay, I found what I want to do and I'm with the person I'm, I want to be with and I'm in the place I want to live. Some people go through that in their 20s, 30s, 40s until they get to the point where they finally figure it all out. Now, 
I'm not going to leave you there and say, uh, you just stop comparing yourself. Or, you know, when I was in my 30s, I couldn't figure it out either. But it's true. <laughs> it's true. When I was in my 30s, I, I thought I was in my last relationship. I thought I was in my the final job that I would ever need. I thought all these things. And then suddenly, I screwed it up. I messed things up. I messed up my relationship. I didn't mess up my job. I quit because the job I had, I didn't want anymore. I was still trying to figure things out. Did, do I want to live in this town? Do I want to be around these people? Do I want to be near family again? I was still trying to figure it out. In fact, even today, I live in Georgia, and I think, is this where I'm going to retire? Or do I want to be close to family? I'm still trying to figure it out. Although I'm more settled now, I do finally own a house. I've never actually lived in a detached dwelling before, let's see, five years ago. I always lived in a condo or apartment. And um, I met my girlfriend about eight or nine years ago. And we got along so great. And we decided this is what we're going to do. We're going to buy a house. And so life is finally coming together for me. It's late 40s. That's when it happened. My late 40s. Well, late 40s. Mid to late 40s. And um, it's finally happening. I, I finally have a house. What? Why didn't this happen sooner? Because I had healing to do. I had reflecting to do. What do I want to do in my life? Who do I want to be with? Who do I want to be? And a lot of stuff that I had to sort through. And even now, like I have what I would know. This is true. I have the longest career of my life going on right now. This is the podcast that I created, the blog, the uh, online stuff that I do, everything that I do as a creator, as a teacher, as an author, everything that I'm doing now is the longest period of time I've ever held down the same job. And <laughs> when I think about that, I look at my past and I think, okay, I have held down a job four years at a time. Four years. That was my longest period of time that I held down any type of career or job. And so when I created The Overwhelmed Brain and then eventually Love and Abuse, my other podcast, uh, I realized, wow, this is, I mean, after I hit the five-year mark, this is the longest job I've ever had. This is the longest career, longest um, thing I've pursued, longest thing I've um, been good at and kept doing, and I just keep going. But I'm open for all of this to change. I don't want it to, but I'm open to it. And this has kept me mm, sane. This has kept me uh, not stressing so much, knowing that there could be change. I think what it was is I've developed resilience because I've been through so many jobs and so many relationships that I've become uh, at ease. Like, it doesn't matter where I am because it, it could all change tomorrow. I'm not saying this is how you should feel, but I think it does help when you go through a lot. It's like, um, and this is a terrible, terrible analogy, but back in the day when we couldn't stop the plague or any plague and parents were losing their children left and right, and children's siblings were dying left and right. It was just an awful, awful time. Lots and lots of people were dying. And I remember reading like a mom saying that um, she lost another kid. And this is like an old uh, interview or something in a newspaper or something. She said, yeah, I, I lost him in 1916 or whatever, 1816. I lost that child and then I lost another child and then I lost another child. And it became so matter-of-fact that that's what happens because death was very uh, popular back then, <laughs> at least with the plague or virus or whatever, that we couldn't stop it, that um, people get used to it. And I'm not saying it, the pain was any less. I'm saying what ended up happening is that they understood this is how life is. And I'm making some assumptions here, and I do not mean to downplay 
what they went through. But after reading that, I realized, wow, they've been through so much that it's just not the same. Like if you lost a child nowadays, it's, it's of course, anyone is going to feel that pain. But after all those children, it's not like you don't feel any more pain. It's just like, it's almost to be expected. So I'm, I'm on thin ice here. I know it, but it is, it feels like it's almost to be expected. Like this could happen. I hope it doesn't. You know, I pray to God it doesn't. I don't want this to happen, but it could happen because everyone's dying. I'm not saying this is a good example. I'm not saying this is something that you should consider when you think about your own life. But my point is, you just seem to become more resilient to the severe suffering that can occur in your life as you go through severe suffering. You become more resilient. And I don't want you to. I don't want you to become so resilient that it doesn't affect you. But at the same time, I want you to be able to get through it. I want you to be able to handle it and know that things are tough now, but they do get better. Things are tough, but they do get better. But that's not always true, is it? Sometimes they stay the same and sometimes they get worse. Sometimes things are just tough. And so I think about my past and I think, okay, I had it tough in many ways because, you know, after my first breakup, my first long-term breakup of 13 years, I became depressed and I was depressed for years. That's a terrible thing to go through. And I'm not saying my pain or suffering is any worse or better than others, but for me, my own experience and me having gone through it myself firsthand, it was uh, sucky. <laughs> it sucked. And so having gone through that depressing time, understanding finally what depression really was afterward, I look back and, oh, I just felt like a void. I felt like I was devoid of emotions. And that was depressing to think about, <laughs> depressing now to think about. And so I think about the past and I realize, wow, that was painful. And then I went through another breakup and that was painful. And then I went through a divorce and that was painful. But what's interesting, by the time I got to my divorce, which was my last relationship over a decade ago, by the time I got to my divorce, when it happened, it wasn't like it was devastating, crushing pain like the others. Because I had already gone through that. I'd experienced that devastating, crushing pain. And so when it happened, I was more prepared. Still painful. I still suffered. I was still crying. All of the, the suffering was still there. But your brain, it gets rewired, I guess. You said you want to rework your brain. As you go through the challenges in, challenges in life, your brain does get rewired. I mean, this is the way I look at things. If you've gone through it once, the second time, even though it's not easier, you're more prepared. And you're more likely to bounce back a little bit faster. So, again, this isn't my answer or solution for you, but in your 30s, there are challenges that are going to happen in your life that make you more resilient, and that will help you with your um, your outlook of things. Now, you may not. You may not have some terrible tragedy, or and I hope not. I don't wish any of this on you. I'm just saying that as you go through life, Things look different as you get older. And so I've had a lot of failures, but each failure is a successful learning experience. So I look at it that way. And every time I learned something new, I became more clear in the future, about the future. I became more clear about who I was, who I wanted to be, and what I wanted to do and where I wanted to live and I became more clear about all that stuff because I failed so much. Now, this person wrote, I'm not saying you're failing at all. In fact, I think you're in the perfect place. You are in the perfect place because you see things about other people that maybe you envy, like you said, envy and jealousy. You see things about them that maybe you want for yourself. And when you're in that place, you are in the best opportunity of your life to ask yourself what you want to do with your life. 
Now, there is a problem with comparison because every time you compare yourself to somebody, you will feel defeated and you will feel like you're not doing enough and you will feel like you're not enough and um, it just never ends because I'm here to tell you, I'm here to give you the bad news that there's always, always going to be someone who is better than you in some way. Now, I don't mean like uh, you're not great. I just mean the way you perceive them, it's going to appear as if they're better than you or if they are luckier than you or wealthier than you, if that's your thing, and or more, better looking. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to look at somebody else and then reflect on ourselves and say, wow, I'm just not there yet. Or I'll never be there. That's depressing, right? I'll never be there. But what we're doing is comparing ourselves to someone who has a different life experience, has different challenges, has gone through so many different things that uh, whatever has added up to who they are today has made them who they are today. And we don't see all the behind the scenes stuff. We see the tip of the iceberg. We see who they are today and we think, oh man, they have it all. But we don't really understand what they went through. Like, what if you told me, this person wrote, what if you told me that um, all this stuff that this other person has, what it took to get there was um, losing someone they loved. Let's just say that that's what happened. They lost someone they loved, someone they cared about deeply. And because of that experience, it gave them the resources and it gave them the resilience to make it through some harder stuff in life so that they were able to succeed in areas that maybe you don't feel like you could succeed in. And if that was the case, if you told me that, I would ask you, are you willing to go through the same lessons? It's a lot different when you think about it that way, isn't it? It's another thing that sucks. It sucks to think about um, doing something like that or going through something like that, suffering in that way just to get where they are today. It's a hypothetical. I know. It's not real. It could be. But, you know, in this case, hopefully it's not real. But maybe it is. Because if they didn't lose somebody they love, maybe they did something else. Maybe they had a rough childhood. Maybe they had to go through abuse. Maybe something else. Maybe they never felt love by their parents and or their mom or dad. And they decided that they were going to overachieve in life. And so... They decided to just uh, take huge steps, big steps, and sacrifice personal time and sacrifice family time just to become more successful and all because of a an old trauma in their past that they wanted to impress their parents so that they received love and admiration and all that. Again, hypothetical. I don't know if that's true or not. But if it was, if I asked you, okay, Let's go back in time and put you in that same situation. Neglectful parents that caused you to become um, hypervigilant and uh, overachiever. You know, you became a perfectionist. All this stuff. Would you be willing to go through that to have what this person has today? These are good questions, and I'm again, I'm not saying that these are solutions. I'm just saying it's a good way to reflect because I look at somebody who is wealthy and they have an amazing family and they live in the best place. And I think, okay, there are parts of their life that would be nice to have for me. Wow. You can see a mountain and a lake (laughs) from your house. You can see both of those things. Wow. That sounds amazing. And you only live three miles from your family and you love to see, wow, I would love to see my family. I wish I lived that close and I had that kind of view and you drive how many cars you have that you have that house and how big is your house all these things that I might feel like that would be nice to have one day that would be nice to have today am I going to spend all my time thinking about them putting all my energy into someone else which automatically I mean that automatically makes me feel bad about myself if I'm really invested in someone else's success or appearance of success? Am I going to put all my energy into that? Or am I going to refocus and 
start asking myself, what am I going to do today to get one step closer to what I want and who I want to be? And I'm also going to remind myself, are the people that I'm looking at, are they in the best of situations? Do I know what's under the tip of the iceberg, what's in the rest of their life that got them this far? What uh, suffering have they done? What suffering is going on in their life today? Like the person you described, maybe she is a perfectionist. Maybe she is constantly stressed. And I ask again, is this where you want to be, constantly stressed? Yeah, but I rent and uh, she owns her own house. Okay, let's say that I can grant you a wish and you can own your own house, but you'll be constantly stressed. So I'm, again, putting out hypotheticals just to make you think about this differently. I do have an episode on, um, what's it called? <laughs> Comparing yourself. I'll have to look it up. Hold on a second. Oh, here it is. Feeling unworthy by comparison. So go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and type in the word, just the word comparison or C-O-M-P-A-R because uh, I don't know if it'll find it if you type in the word compare. Um, and also, what else? Look up the word uh, worth or esteem and you'll find um, episodes I've done on that as well. And that's going to be helpful for you. And I've had to deal with this when I was younger. I had to deal with the idea of looking at other people and seeing what they had, seeing who they were with, and really putting way too much energy into how they're living their life and not really considering how they got to where they were, what they did to get to where they were. And, um, I, you know, I look at my own life and think, well, geez, you know, I should have had a more stable job. I should have been kinder to my partners in my life. So I didn't experience all this pain and these breakups. I should have done a lot of things, but, um, I wasn't there yet. I wasn't ready. I wasn't in a space that I could have held on to anything. Like if somebody handed you a house and said, now you have to pay for everything like the mortgage and everything that goes wrong. And if you're in an HOA, HOA fees, now you have to pay for all this stuff. Are you prepared to do it? If somebody handed you all this stuff, sometimes we have to go through the steps in order to get to where we want to be and where we need to be. And sometimes we don't get what we want. And uh, that's something that I had to wrestle with as well. But I want that but I may not get it. And so I find myself constantly looking at other people, constantly comparing myself to what they have going on in their life and what they're achieving. And that took all the energy away from me. And what that does is helped me to avoid what I'm not doing in my life and what I wanted to do with my life. Nowadays, I can't believe scheduling with somebody trying to find the right doctor, trying to find the right specialist or whatever you're looking for. I don't know why it has to be so hard sometimes, but now it's easy because we have ZocDoc. This is a free app that you can download right now that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed and take your insurance and are available when you need them and treat almost every condition under the sun. I mean, have you ever had a health problem that you told your friends about and you were trying to get some good advice from them. Some of them might have some good advice. Some of them maybe. But uh, wouldn't it be a lot easier just to find it from a doctor on ZocDoc? I mean, thousands of medical professionals on ZocDoc are there to help you. This is why ZocDoc works so well for so many people. You'll find quality doctors who focus on you, listen to you, and prioritize your care. Get the free app at ZocDoc.com forward slash brain. You can download the app right now, find and book a top-rated doctor today. They make the process of finding a doctor easy. That's ZocDoc.com forward slash brain. Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com forward slash brain. And what better way to get better help than our other sponsor today, BetterHelp. They are here to give you better options for your mental and emotional well-being. And this covers the gamut, right? Your physical health I was just talking about and your mental and emotional health 
through a fantastic service. I talk about them all the time. If you've been listening a while, you've heard me talk about BetterHelp. They are a service that provides online therapy, many, many therapists to choose from, entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is go to their website, fill out a brief questionnaire, and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. And this is really cool. Anytime you want, you can switch therapists at no additional charge. I was one of those people that didn't go to therapy for years until I finally decided that I needed to. It was after a breakup. It was a pretty bad time. And I learned that it wasn't the breakup that I was depressed about. <laughs> this is what happens. We find out new things about ourselves, and, and sometimes we need somebody to walk us through it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. You'll get 10% off your first month by going to that website. That's betterhelp.com forward slash brain. When you're in your 30s, you still got time. Or in your 40s, you still got time. Thinking about it in your 30s is a great time to think about it, so you don't have to wait and get older and older. Like me, I started changing in my 40s, or at least changing in ways that made more permanent impact in my life, uh, more permanent changes. When I finally realized that I was the common denominator for a lot of my problems, well, all of them. <laughs> I was the person doing all of these things. And I can't blame the world anymore. I can't blame other people. It's me. When I decided that it was me, that's when I decided to take action. In fact, there was a pivotal moment that happened that I'll share. And I've said this before, so if it's a repeat, uh, it's worth telling now because it's in the context of what we're talking about. But when I was working at a hospital, I was installing computers. I used to be into a technology and I still love technology, but now I'm doing all this stuff <laughs> with technology. And uh, when I was doing that though, I really thought I was going to get a, a permanent position at this hospital. I was subcontracting and they really liked my work and I did some extra work with a spreadsheet and, and made their life easier and everyone really appreciated me and all my efforts. And this one manager in this one department said, we're going to hire you. We love you. When this uh, job is up for you, you know, come to me. I want to put you to work. I thought, great. This is wonderful. I'm going to get what I really want. This is a permanent position. Instead of just subcontracting or a contract, this is what I want. This is a great place to be. It's the technology. The people are nice. And so a year and a half goes by and the contract finishes. And I go find that manager again, which I had kept in touch with every now and then. And I go find him and I say, okay, my contract is just about ending and you said you have a place for me. And so here I am, I'm ready to go. What can we do? What, what are your, or what are the options? And uh, he looked at me, he said, okay, all you need to do is keep an eye on the job boards. And when a job comes up, just apply for it. I thought, oh, oh, what? Just keep an eye on the job board. You said you had a position for me. And he said, well, you know, I, I, I don't really have a position. I just want you to keep an eye on the job boards. And then when a job comes up, maybe you'll get it. You have no idea how disheartened. I can't even explain this in a way that conveys the hurt I felt, the defeat I felt. Because in my mind, the whole time, I was excited that I was going to get this position and it was going to be something that I could just settle into and ease into and it's already there for me. It's waiting for me. And when he said, just keep an eye on the job boards and we'll see what happens. When he said that, God, I, I think I inside I was crying. Like, what the hell? What? You just promised me this whole time and you were dangling this carrot in front of me and I kept following and now you're saying we'll see what happens? I don't know how to explain that feeling. It was just sinking. It was a sinking feeling. And that day I went home and I moped. <laughs> I was so unhappy. I was so sad. I moped. 
And I, I just felt like the world came crashing down on me. And so the next day I went to work and boy, I was dragging. I did not want to work. I felt so, I don't know, pathetic. I felt so upset. And, um, again, that, that whole day was terrible. I just felt so bad. So I went home again and that second night I started reflecting on everything that I was thinking up to that point and after that point. And I realized I had been putting my future into someone else's hands. I'd been relying on somebody else to paint my future for me. They had the canvas. They were painting the next step up and the next rung on the ladder. And I was relying on them to continue doing that. And so as soon as I had that thought, as soon as I realized that I'm allowing somebody else to control my future and it's up to them whether I get to work tomorrow or not, I decided to take my focus and all my energy off of other people to create the life they want for me and put that focus and energy back on myself so that I could uh, take big steps, massive steps to create the life that I want. That doesn't mean that uh, you should quit your job and do your own thing. That's up to you. It depends on if you have that entrepreneurial spirit or you just want to do things on your own or if you want to work for somebody else. It doesn't mean you can't work for anyone else or be in collaboration or partnership with anybody else. It just means you take the focus off of other people and put it on yourself. And this works everywhere in life, I've learned. It works everywhere. If you're working for someone, you know, just use jobs and career for an example, and you're not making enough money, do you wait to get more pay or do you ask for it? I'm not giving you the answer here. Could be either way. Could be like, well, I have an evaluation in three months. We'll just wait. Great. We'll wait in three months. But what happens after three months and you don't get the raise you want or the promotion or whatever, what do you do then? Do you wait for somebody else to make those decisions for you? Or do you walk into the office and say, hey, look, I deserve this pay and I didn't get it and I would like it. Will you please pay me this amount? Because this is the um, amount that I believe I deserve and any less, I do not feel valued. I do not feel like uh, I am compelled to work here for this amount. That's risky. I know. They might say, well, then we can't have you here. We're going to fire you and you'll, you'll go find another job somewhere else. You know, go, go, go away. They might say that. And are you prepared for them to say that? And this is where I had to come to in my life. I had to come to a place where I was prepared to put myself on the line for myself. I told myself that there is nothing more important than my integrity. There's nothing more important than getting what I deserve. And that, that sounds entitled, I know. But there's a point where... Other people are running the show and you're not getting what you deserve. Right, there's a point. There's a sometimes a life of doing that. So I've, I've lived my life doing that. Doing the, the better than average. I've been above average in everything I do. I have been the perfectionist. And I have been in positions where I didn't get paid as much as I believe I should have. But I didn't want to say anything because... That meant uh, the risk of getting fired or the risk of confrontation. I used to be afraid of confrontation. The risk of being yelled at. The risk of being in a conversation I didn't know how to respond in. Well, Paul, why do you think you should get paid more? I didn't want to answer that question back then. I don't want to get into that kind of conversation. I'll just stay back and work harder this year in hopes that they give me a raise next year next evaluation or whatever. I hope they do. So I'm going to work harder. This is sort of like uh, what a toxic relationship can be where 
one person is hurtful to the other, so the other person, the victim in this case, tries harder to be nicer and serves them more. People pleases them and accommodates them in so many ways. They do everything they can to accommodate and try harder and be nicer. And the other person, the one who is toxic or whatever, difficult, they will not necessarily change or they don't often really change. A lot of them don't change until uh, there's a huge level of accountability for being who they are. But the person trying harder to be nicer and kinder and everything that they believe it takes to show up as the person that they believe the other person wants to see does nothing. I mean, it doesn't change anything. And what ends up happening is the relationship continues with, let's just say, come back to the work scenario, with the employee continuing to try harder and harder every year to show their worth, but the upper management never seeing it or never acknowledging it to the point where they show that that employee is valuable enough to pay them more or give them a promotion or whatever. This happens in toxic relationships, and it can be a toxic work environment if the upper management doesn't see your value and pay you what you're worth. That doesn't mean it's always toxic. I'm not putting anyone down. Like I, There are certain jobs where you're not going to be able to get past a certain level of money or, or, or anything like that, but there are places where you might work and you get a dime raise. You know, Let's just put it out there. You might get a dime, an extra dime, and you think, what? Why? I, I got a quarter once. Now, when you're young, a quarter is awesome. <laughs> well, maybe not nowadays, but when I was young, 80s, uh, I got a quarter raise. I thought, this is great. This is great. I got nine twenty-five an hour. This is awesome, which is really good back then. Uh, did I get that much? No. <laughs> I got four twenty-five an hour. I got four twenty-five an hour. Hooray. But that quarter that went a long way. Give me an extra few bucks a week. But I'm an adult now, and if somebody gave me a quarter raise today, uh, what can I say? I would give them the finger. <laughs> I wouldn't probably do that. But in my mind, I'd be like, you jerk. But uh, this is what I'm saying is that I had relied on other people to run my life. Okay, what's next? I'm just going to wait for that person. And the point where that one manager said, eh, just keep a, an eye on the job boards and we'll see what happens. Ugh. When that happened, that was it. That shifted me. That changed everything. And I decided to take control of my own life. And again, I don't mean that you can't work for somebody else. It's just a matter of taking charge. If you want something, you have to go for it. You have to go get it. You're not getting that raise. You're not um, getting that call back. You call. You're not getting what you want. You sometimes have to go for it. And I'm not saying to do it in an aggressive manner. Just do it in a way that you are honoring yourself. You're saying, hey, me, I'm worth that. And I'm going to go for it. Once you go for it, once you take charge of your life, things change because you're no longer focused on other people. You're focused on yourself. What am I going to do now? Like you said, you're an entry-level position. Entry-level is great. You got your foot in the door. You could skyrocket from here. This is your opportunity. Entry-level is a great place to be because now you're learning the foundation. You're learning the front line. You're doing all the work that um, needs to be done. And what ends up happening is that you create a solid foundation of knowledge. I mean, if you want to stay here, but let's just say that you want to stay here, um, being in the entry-level position you're in, that is room to grow. And when you have that kind of room to grow, when you decide that I'm going to take this by the horns and I'm going to steer this uh, bull <laughs> or take it by the reins and steer this horse, steer this ship the, the direction I want it to go, and what ends up happening is you are stepping into your worth. This is who I am. This is what I want. This is who I want to be. This is where I want to go in life. And I am now focused on my own path, on my own direction. So in order to get there, I know that I have to do 
certain things to get there. I, I might have to work hard. I might have to stay late. I might have to do some extra work to show them my worth. And when it comes time, when I'm ready to say, hey, look, I've been doing all of this stuff and I believe I deserve a raise. I believe I deserve a promotion. I believe I deserve whatever, whatever it is for you. You'll feel that inside yourself because you'll know you have done the work. Now, at an entry level, <laughs> you can't just call the shots, typically. You can't just go in there and say, hey, I've been doing all this work. Give me a raise. Entry level is that time where you keep your mouth closed and your ears open and you keep moving forward if you like what you're doing. And I know we're only talking about work here, but it's a good example. It's a good example of standing in your integrity and stepping into your worth and showing the world what you're worth. This is really what it comes down to. I'm showing the world what I'm worth. But you have to feel it inside of you. And in order to feel it inside of you, your focus has to be on you. Because as soon as you put it outside yourself, as soon as you put that focus on somebody else, like, oh, they're doing so much better than me, you lose it. You lose your momentum and you lose the, the energy that you had, all the motivation that you had to improve your life, to improve yourself, to improve your situation. So I like the idea of being so good at what you're doing now that you have no choice but to move up. That's a, a great way to, to look at work. I heard somebody once say, outgrow your current position. Like you are going to be so good at what you do today that you have no choice but to move into the next phase or level. Now this also works in relationships. Like how can you show up so good that you know you're worth being treated as worthy? How can you show up that you know uh, you're worth being respected? How can you show up in a way that you feel so good in yourself that if anybody makes you feel bad, you will not accept it? That's, uh, that's stepping into your worth. And so this is what I want you to do. I want you to step into your worth. No matter where you are in life, no matter what you do in life, you have to know, you have to feel it that you're worthy. And if you don't feel it, you have to work on it. You have to understand that in order to get really where you want to be in life, that you have to feel that you deserve that. Because if you don't feel that you deserve it, you're going to look at others. And that's hard to get to for some people. I understand this. I was there. I don't deserve that. I, I don't deserve that because I'm not smart enough. Imagine if I had uh, stuck to that limiting belief. Imagine if I said, I'm just not smart enough, so I'm not going to make a podcast and teach other people. I'm not going to go out and create anything. I'm just going to work for somebody else because I'm not smart enough. If I had said that, then the past nine years wouldn't have happened. So I decided that uh, this is something else I, I have thought about in my life, philosophized about. I decided that I know more than some people and some people know more than me, period. I know more than some people, and some people know more than me. So I'm only going to talk to the people that I might know more about, or at least more about certain things. I might know more about certain things about relationships that somebody listening now may not. Or maybe they just need one tidbit that I know that they don't have. Maybe other people are brilliant and I'm really not that brilliant at all, and that's true. <laughs> but I have certain gold nuggets that when you hear it, you go, oh, that will change my life. That would be cool. Those certain specific gold nuggets. If I have that gold nugget and you tune in and you're 10 times smarter than me, but that gold nugget changes your life, who cares? Who cares if anybody's smarter than you if you have that gold nugget and you don't know if you have that gold nugget until you start doing things, until you start taking charge of your life and just accepting that, yeah, you're worthy. You are. You're worthy. You're important. You're significant. And you know things that other people don't. And you give value that other people may not be able to give, or at least in the same capacity. You have components of yourself that will be absolutely vital to certain people, to certain organizations, relationships. You have components or are 
billions of components of you, just like there are billions of components of everyone else, and they're going to have all these different uh, sliders. <laughs> like uh, I'm thinking of like a, a, an audio mixer that has a, a volume up and volume down slider. And as you push the slider up, the level goes up, the, the volume goes up. And as you push it back down, it comes back down. So you might have uh, component one with the slider halfway up, component two with the slider all the way up, component three with the slider all the way down. And those sliders just represent the components of your life. You may know more about love and connection and family, or at least you may accelerate there. You may be stronger in those areas, uh, but maybe you don't know enough about um, programming a computer. That slider's all the way down. <laughs> but you know how to show someone that you care. That slider's all the way up. And the person who wrote, maybe her sliders, that her friend's sliders, are different in different areas. Like, um, I hear this all the time. Like, uh, super wealthy people that focused on nothing but the money to get to where they are uh, have some terrible relationships and have made some enemies and uh, had friends that disappeared because... They just focused on the money and not emotional connection. And when that happens with certain people, they, they're miserable. Yeah, but they have a, a big boat and they have a nice house and they have a family with a white picket fence and two dogs. And Yeah, but if they're miserable, are you willing to give that up? Are you willing to give up some of your emotional connections? Are you willing to go what they're going through emotionally, mentally, maybe physically? Are you willing to go through that stuff just to have what they have? Every component is different in each and every one of us. And when we start focusing on just the big picture, just what social media shows us, shows us of their life, we end up losing the focus on ourselves and what we need to do in ourselves, for ourselves, so that, like I say at the end of every episode, creating the life we want. Because it's hard to create the life we want when we're focused on somebody else's life. It might be hard to do that. It might be hard to stop looking at someone else's life and wishing that you had what they had, but you have to make it a choice. You have to make this choice to stop focusing on other people and their failures and successes and just focus on yourself because this is usually what happens. You end up taking all that energy away from you and putting it on someone else and trying to get where they are and what they have using the resources and your own experience in life and your own history to get to a point where they are when they have gone through so many different things. They have a different life altogether. So what makes you, you, is your history, your foundation, all your experiences, all the tools and resources that you've learned that make you who you are today. And because of that, that's where all your strength lies. That's where all your energy comes from. And if you've had a hard life, it's time to take charge of it. Time to grab the bull by the horns and steer it the direction that you want it to go. It may take you some years. It may take a while to get what you want. But damn, that's good incentive. <laughs> that's really good incentive. I want what that person has, so I'm going to work for it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to make something happen. I'm going to make this happen because that's what I want. And sometimes... People don't want a lot. Maybe you don't want a lot. Maybe I just want to stop renting. Okay, what are you going to do? You're going to save 10 bucks a week until you get enough money to get out of the rental game. I did that for a long time. And I had to save money. How do I save money? I work paycheck to paycheck. Well, damn it. I'm going to do something to make a little bit more money. I'm going to take this bull by the horns again. This analogy is good. And just put it where I want it. I'm going to make it happen. And in order to do that, you're going to need energy. You're going to need this boost. And you get that boost from not focusing on other people and focusing on what you can do in your life based on what you have going on in your life and what you want for yourself. That's where this energy comes from. You can do this. You've got this. Thanks so much for writing. I hope this has been helpful in some way, shape, or form. And if not, Listen to more shows. <laughs> you need the energy. You got to look up the shows on self-worth, self-esteem, and I think I do have one on motivation as well, but go to theoverwhelmbrain.com and you can find some there. Thanks for joining me today. 
We'll be right back with my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I'm going to start with the patrons of this week. Paige, Brian, Debbie, Mary, Anna, Donald, Ashley. Ashley is new. Thank you so much for your support, Ashley, and all the other patrons, of course. Very good to have you on board. Brad and Daisy and Stephen. Many names that I've seen over and over again, and I'm very grateful for your support. And um, these are the people that find value in the show and they are in a position to give back. So if that is something that you would like to do too, you can head over to moretob.com and there are options to do that as well. Thank you, patrons. I appreciate all of you. Very grateful to have you on the team. I am very warmed by your support. And I want to let you know about a show called Love and Abuse. That's my other podcast. That's a show on how to deal with difficult relationships and more specifically, ones that are so difficult that it just doesn't feel very good being in them. You don't feel uh, supported. You don't feel loved. and um, Or maybe you're the one not supportive enough or loving enough or maybe not showing love in the, the best way you can. That's over at loveandabuse.com. And that's been very helpful for a lot of people. And something else that's been very helpful is my program called Healed Being and that is where uh, I help emotionally abusive people change. If you are a difficult person yourself, like I was for many years, head over to, um, well, I almost said the wrong one, head over to healedbeing.com, and uh, I have a, a robust program over there that can walk you through just how to change and make the, the strongest, most long-lasting relationships possible. That's over at healedbeing.com. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And uh, for my final words, I'm just going to read you this last message. I'm not going to get too deep into it. Um, it's a deep subject, and I really feel for this person. She wrote, I'm in a relationship with a mentally and emotionally abusive man. He has, on countless occasions, screamed at me for hours and uses everything he can against me. I have attempted to end the relationship multiple times, I own the home and he refuses to leave and then he acts like nothing happened. I've said that I don't want to be in this relationship and I want to be done with it, but it falls on deaf ears. How would you attempt to get through to him without having to get an eviction? I listen to both this show and Love and Abuse and you've given me so much confidence. I can never repay you for... Th- you don't, I don't have to read that. <laughs> Thank you so much for what you said. I am very grateful for your words. I don't want to um, make this about me, but... This is a very important question. She said, thank you for what you do. Of course, thank you for your message and for sharing that here. And I'm so sorry you're going through this. You don't want to ask me this question. (laughs) I'm sorry because I still have a little bit of a, um, I don't want to say vindictive. It's not. It's not vindictive. It's a little bit of a a manipulative streak uh, toward people that, deserve it. And I don't do those things anymore. I'm not that type of person. But when somebody puts my um, integrity on the line, when somebody puts my contentment on the line, when there's somebody in my life that doesn't honor me and I deserve honor, I deserve to be honored. I mean, this is what the show's about today. I deserve to be honored. I deserve to be respected, just like you do. You deserve to be honored. You deserve to be respected. You deserve to be treated with kindness. And when you're not, then sometimes you have to stand up for yourself and say, I'm not going to take this anymore. This has to end. This has to stop. And I'm going to put an end to it. It has to stop. And when you have been nice, you might have to not be nice anymore. This is like that movie Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze said there's a time where you have to stop being nice. Now you be nice until it's time to stop being nice. And then you have to take more assertive action. And so the reason I tell you that I am probably not the best person to ask this question is because 
I might be the person that makes them feel like they are welcome and they are cared for, even though secretly they're ticking me off. And I would make them feel like there's nothing wrong. And I would even um, do anything I could to support their hobbies outside the house. So that one day when they left the house, I would change the locks. (laughs) But that's me. I can't tell you to do that. I don't know what kind of trouble that would cause. But damn it, it's my house. You're leaving. You're getting out. One way or the other. Now, I'm a guy, and if I was, you know, I felt stronger than the person I was with, then it would be easier for me. Guys typically have the upper hand with strength, but not always. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying, for me, I'm a tall guy, even though somewhere on the web it says I'm like 5'9". It's not true. I'm 6'4". I'm a tall guy, and uh, I would be unafraid to be more assertive. And I'm not saying you're afraid because it sounds like you're doing everything you can and this person doesn't feel like uh, your your threats are valid. You know, I hate to call them threats. They're not threats. You're just saying, it's time for you to go. Honor my wishes. It's time for you to go. So my answer isn't something that I can give you. (laughs) I can't tell you to lock them out of the house and change locks and all that. I can't tell you to do that. It's something I would do, (laughs) but I can't tell you to do that. Um, I think maybe a more serious answer for you from a more professional perspective is to talk to a lawyer. What are your rights? And you said, uh, from what you're saying, you already know your rights. You know you can go for an eviction, but what else can you do? That would be my question to the lawyer. I would want to get my legal rights down, and maybe you already did that. Maybe you already know your legal rights And you realize, well, I want to do something a little less aggressive, even though that's not aggressive at all, because you're not doing something to this other person. You're doing something for yourself. Now, this other person's involved, and when somebody refuses to honor your wishes, then they might have to uh, be given a more assertive and even more aggressive request. I don't really like to go the aggressive route, but if this were me and I didn't feel like I had the energy or the power to remove them myself, then I would probably say, you have to leave now, go. And then I would be adamant. And if they sat there and didn't do anything, I would say, you have to leave now. And then if they still sat there and did nothing, I would grab their suitcase and start packing their clothes. And I would do that kind of thing. But again, I I feel like I'm in a position of power. And not everyone's going to be able to do that. Not not everyone's going to feel confident enough to do that. And some people might actually be in a dangerous situation. So there's an assessment that you have to do about the level of um, possible danger in your situation. If you grabbed a suitcase and just start packing, packing their clothes, or you spent the night while they slept boxing everything of theirs up, and then they woke up and saw all those boxes, what would they do? What would they say? Would they get aggressive? Would they get violent? I don't know. But uh, yes, you might have to take more assertive action. And I'm only saying this only if you assess the situation and you know you're not in danger. If you're not in danger, I mean, who can predict this? I don't know. Maybe somebody could get so angry that they could get uh, more aggressive and you don't want that do you have any big relatives (laughs) like strong people that could protect you just in case this happened I mean this happened to um, somebody that we met for the first time my girlfriend and I we were contacted by a friend who knew someone who had to leave a situation with a very aggressive man and we had never met this person and we showed up at her house one day I mean the day that she was asking, our friend was asking us to go there. And this woman, she was afraid. She was afraid of, I guess, her husband at the time. And um, she didn't want to be alone and she needed help moving the furniture out of her house. So here we are walking into a potentially dangerous domestic violence situation. It was kind of scary because he was a big guy 
and there were some I would I don't know if I call them standoffs, but there were some uh, nerve inducing moments and um, we got through them. But what I'm trying to get to is this woman, she felt very afraid by herself. But when we were there, it eased that fear a little bit. I mean, we still didn't know what would happen. And boy, he was watching us with his eagle eyes. I mean, it was his home too. So I tried to respect his space. I tried to respect the fact that we're going into his house and we're moving stuff out of his house, but we were there to help her. It was very weird. It was a very uh, scary situation that we were putting ourselves into because we had no idea. I mean, police say that domestic violence is one of the uh, scariest situations or um, conflicts they can run into. And um, so they tried to be very careful. Now, we weren't informed that there were any violent actions in the past. We just knew that he could be very intimidating. So we took a chance. We, that was a risk. We took a risk. But we felt that it was more important to be there for this person who had no one else. So this is what we did. We helped her move that day. And it was just a weird situation, like I said. But I'm so glad we did it because she was able to get and find a safe place to live and get away from somebody that she feared. For anyone else that might be in a situation, this person who wrote, she's in this circumstance where uh, she cannot get rid of the person in her life that um, they're no longer a couple. If they're not listening to you and you've tried, you might have to get a support system around you or with you in the house to say it's time to go. You might have to. Again, I'm not giving you this advice, but um, that's what I would do. Like if I felt like I didn't have the power to do it myself, I would get a support system on my side and get enough people in the same area uh, slash witnesses in the same area to kind of help me go through the process and get this person out of my life. The resistance, if there is any, if there's any resistance from the other person's part, then now you're dealing with what I would consider a completely... I mean, it's a legal situation anyway, but it is definitely a legal situation that needs to be handled under another authority. You need to contact someone. You need to call the police. You need to start the eviction process. I mean, the police may not be able to do anything because, well, maybe they might. Depends on where you live. Depends on the authority in your area. But I know that um, I actually read some on this because this is the first kind of question I had like this. And there are Steps you need to go through for eviction, even of your own partner or ex-partner when they live in the home. You own the home, but they live in the home, and there's some arrangement that may not be financial, but it's it's some sort of agreement, a verbal agreement, whenever, when you met and you moved in together, whatever it was. And that kind of has to have a, a justice system to go through in order to get someone out of the house. I mean, you're asking the wrong guy, again, but this is what I would do. I would get my support system in place. Um, I would get their bags packed. I would box up their stuff. I would get them out of the house. I would do all this stuff. But I can't recommend any of it to you. I, oh, the only uh, path I can recommend to you is the legal route, is to talk to somebody, know your rights. And then if you feel like you can handle this yourself, you need to push it to the limit and never drop it. If it's falling on deaf ears, then get a megaphone. If they refuse to leave, then help them leave. So there's there are many things you can do. But these are all the things that I would do myself but can't recommend to you because it could put you in danger. The last thing I'll say is something that I would do if they still wouldn't leave, which is uh, stay on them until it happens. And that doesn't mean uh, telling them to leave and then taking a break and then a few hours later telling them to leave again. That means staring at them, opening the door, getting the boxes and say, pack and just wait, pack and just tell them, pack, go, it's time to go and just keep saying it and don't give up because some people still won't take you seriously enough because they feel like it's going to end eventually. And this is what happens. They see you uh, say you need to do something. And when there's no accountability for not doing it, they don't do anything. They know nothing's going to happen. Yeah, you're going to yell at me for the next 15 minutes and then you're going to stop and everything will be fine again. They know it's going to end. So sometimes you have to show people that it's not going to end. This is it. I'll stay here for 48 hours staring at you and showing you the box and telling you to leave. Leave. 
leave, leave, go, leave, now, leave. They turn the TV on, I shut it off, leave. They go to the kitchen, they try to make something to eat, I put it in the garbage and I say, leave. I'm serious. I'm not going to stop this until you leave. Again, this could incite aggression and I don't want to put you in that situation. I'm just telling you what I would do. For you, my professional obligation is to tell you, go through the legal route, contact an attorney and ask them the best uh, path to take. Contact the police, contact whoever you can and get a support system because sometimes people think that if it's only you, if it's only you telling them to leave, there's no reason or telling them to do anything that you want them to do, telling them to honor your wishes, it's not enough because it's only you. This is why a support system is important. Big family members, big, big and strong, and uh, an authority system that is on your side is sometimes the only way people will listen to you because if you show up as just you and they know you and they know you're not a, quote, real threat, they may never do anything different. And there are just people like that out there. And I have other names for them that I can't repeat on this show. But you deserve better. And you're the boss. And because you're the boss, you own the house, you get to say, leave. And if they want to be treated like a child that won't listen, they might need to be disciplined. Again, this is where the legal stuff might take place. But yeah, I know you don't want to go the legal route. I know you don't want to go through an eviction process. That's why you have to build up your support system so that you're not alone in this. I hope you got something from this and uh, I wish you the best with this. Give me an update as soon as this thing changes in your life. I hope it changes for the better. Thank you so much for sharing. and Thank you so much for tuning into another show. Just remember, always keep an open mind. This is how you step into your power so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. Remember that. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing. Amazing.